Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 687. We start this morning with an excerpt from some comments made by a former U.S. president. Each of us all across this great land has a stake in maintaining and improving environmental quality, clean air and clean water, the wise use of our land, the protection of wildlife and natural beauty, parks for all to enjoy. These are part of the birthright of every American. To guarantee that birthright, we must act and act decisively. It is literally now or never. That was President Richard Nixon speaking in 1972. Not long after that, the Watergate scandal erupted and escalated. Nixon lost much of his political support. And on August 9, 1974, he resigned in the face of almost certain impeachment and removal from office. But we might do well to remember that Richard Nixon did some good things for our planet. Quite a few good things, in fact. For example, he signed the National Environmental Policy Act of 1969, part of the first group of laws that established the legislative framework for protecting the environment. He signed into law the Clean Air Act extension, written by Maine Senator Edmund Muskie. It's been called the most significant air pollution control bill in American history. President Nixon signed the Marine Mammal Protection Act of 1972, the first act to protect marine mammals like dolphins, whales, seals, walruses, manatees, sea otters, and polar bears. He proposed the Safe Drinking Water Act, of 1974, passed by Congress and signed by his successor, Gerald Ford. He submitted a plan to Congress calling for the creation of the Environmental Protection Agency. Congress approved and the EPA was born in 1970. And on December 28, 1973, President Richard Nixon signed the Endangered Species Act created to protect species in danger of extinction as a result of human activity. The act created the endangered species list and has been called by historian Kevin Starr the Magna Carta of the environmental movement. Fast forward to 2018, the Trump administration has unveiled a proposal that would strip the Endangered Species Act of key provisions a move that conservationists say would weaken that law enacted 45 years ago to keep plant and animal species that are in decline from going extinct. The new proposal was announced jointly by the Interior and Commerce Departments, which are charged with protecting endangered wildlife and would end the practice of extending similar protections to species regardless of whether they are listed as endangered or threatened. In another rollback of a key provision, the administration wants the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration to get rid of language that instructs officials to ignore economic impacts when determining how wildlife should be protected. Here's what Defenders of Wildlife President Jamie Clark has to say about these proposed changes. Quote, these regulations are the heart of how the Endangered Species Act is implemented. Imperiled species depend on them for their very lives. 
Unfortunately, the sweeping changes being proposed by the Trump administration include provisions that would undercut the effectiveness of the Endangered Species Act and put species at risk of extinction. The signal being sent by the Trump administration is clear. Protecting America's wildlife and wild lands is simply not on their agenda. That's a quote from Defenders of Wildlife President Jamie Clark. Okay, here's a new, though certainly not unrelated topic. Headline, birds are twice as vulnerable to climate change as are mammals. That's according to a new report in the journal Global Change Biology about research by an international team of scientists who study 481 species around the world. Mammal and bird populations have been on a general decline for decades for many reasons, but this new study suggests that a chief reason for the decline has to do with the speed at which climate change is occurring and the fact that animals, especially birds, are unable to adjust fast enough to fight off the effects of climate change. And why are birds apparently affected more than mammals? Well, the study's lead author, Fiona Spooner, says that climate change could affect the reproduction cycle for birds more than it does for mammals because the breeding seasons for mammals are more flexible. You can find a link to that study along with an article about it from the Israeli newspaper Haaretz on our TalkingBirds.com website. Just click where it says links to find it. That's at TalkingBirds.com. Meanwhile, we always try to find some good news to balance off the bad news when we can, and we may just have found some. As follows, the bipartisan Recovering America's Wildlife Act has been introduced in the Senate by Republican Senator James Risch of Idaho and co-sponsored by Democratic Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota and Republican Senator Lamar Alexander of Tennessee. The bill would provide up to $1.3 billion per year for state fish and wildlife agencies to support the implementation of state wildlife action plans which identify species at risk of becoming threatened or endangered, and detailed plans to reduce population declines in an effort to prevent the need to list them under the Environmental or the Endangered Species Act. The House also has a version of this act, and you can read about bo- uh, both, more about both, through that links button at TalkingBirds.com. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. If you turned on a sprinkler in your backyard, might a Cooper's Hawk cool off in it? Well, one in Massachusetts did, and we'll connect you to the video that proves it. By the way, as a further demonstration of how much birds like bird baths, we also saw a story yesterday about a Carolina wren taking a bath in the tiny little ant moat of a hummingbird feeder. Or maybe it was just harvesting ants. If you'd like to see a quick video of some tiny little white fluff balls, barred owl chicks, that is, being cared for in a nest, allow us to connect you to a nest cam excerpt via our Facebook page. And the Trumpeter, our Talking Birds monthly electronic newsletter is out. 
And you can access it right now on our page. You can also subscribe to it there, or you can subscribe on our TalkingBirds.com website, so you'll then receive it automatically. It's a sweet single-page publication, and it is free. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. And don't forget, you can find uh, most of those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. And that lovely sound is the kind of feeding call of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest, the actual execution of which will occur a little bit later on in our show. Our mystery bird, which breeds on the Antarctic coastlines and nearby islands during the summer of the Southern Hemisphere and is common off Eastern North America in the Northern Hemisphere summer, has a mostly brownish black body, a large conspicuous white rump and short kind of rounded wings. Our bird is one of the most abundant species in the world, with an estimated worldwide population of about 100 million. If you're strictly a landlubber, though, you may never have seen one. That's because the bird stays out at sea almost all of the time, and even when it comes ashore for breeding, it does so at night, leaving again before dawn. Not so much that you won't see it, but so that predators like gulls and skuas won't see it in its eggs and chicks. Prizes for identifying our mystery bird, and as always, if no correct answer is received, a drawing will determine the winner based on answers received. Here's our prize list. The beautiful Droll Yankees new generation 13-inch metal finch sock that combines the attraction of a finch sock with the durability of metal. And our bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. So prizes there on our Mystery Bird Contest. The number is 781-837-4900, though we urge you to call very soon, but not yet. We'll be announcing the uh, actual contest itself in uh, just a little bit. Here's our conservation salute of the week. It goes to the 101,865 and counting Folks who have signed a petition urging Cisco, the world's biggest food products distributor, to make paper straws available to their customers. The customers include restaurants, healthcare and education facilities, hospitality businesses like hotels and inns, and other companies that provide food service. The paper straws would be used in place of those non biodegradable plastic ones, 500 million of which are used and thrown away in the U.S. every day, with millions of those ending up in our rivers and oceans. The one response we've seen from Cisco so far is a potentially encouraging one. Cisco says that the, the demand for paper straws, wait for it, exceeds the supply. And they say they are now working to increase that supply. So a salute to the folks who signed that petition to Cisco asking that paper straws be made available to their customers. The petition, by the way, is being managed by change.org. We are looking at their website right now, and we see that since we started this salute uh, moments ago, the number of signers has gone up to 102,180. That's it. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's at change.org. 
org and just do a little search on there for Cisco, which is S-Y-S-C-O, S-Y-S-C-O. Well, we are very, 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 very happy uh, to welcome some more Talking Birds ambassadors. Very four times is because we have four new ambassadors to whom to say thank you, and we appreciate this support so much. And we want to say thank you to Cheryl Reynolds from Fairfield, California. She loves the conservation message here on our show today. She says, especially since I work, she says, with water birds and the human and environmental impacts that affect them. Cheryl works with the great organization International Bird Rescue out there in the San Francisco Bay Area. She also says she hopes to get up early enough sometime <laughs> to participate in our mystery bird contest pretty early out there in California. Thank you, Cheryl. And thank you to Paul Kowalsik from South Euclid, Ohio. He says, I live right outside of Cleveland and spend much of my time birding the north coast along Lake Erie. Would like to spread the word about your show while I meet up with other birders along the trail. Would also like to get one of your patches to add to my field bag. Well, thank you, Paul, for becoming an ambassador, and we will certainly send one of those patches right out to you. And thank you to Christopher Connors from Clay, New York. He says his son, Lachlan, and he listen to our show while they're driving, and he says, if available, I'd love a patch or car decal as well to display. We don't have any car decals, I don't think, Tim. We have, maybe we should try to get some. We definitely have some patches and we'll send one to you, Christopher, and thank you so much. And thank you to George Dokes from Whitehall, Arkansas. He says he started watching raptors and shorebirds in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's now in Arkansas. He says that on his bucket list is a sighting of a painted bunting. And he describes himself as a birder for life. Good stuff, George. Thanks for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. And our first ambassador from the great state of Arkansas. By the way, George also sent in a contribution to our new listener blog, and you can see it right now on our website. Just click there at TalkingBirds.com where it says blog. And if you were in Whitehall, Arkansas, and you headed due east about 50 miles, you would be in Mississippi. And in Mississippi, you would find no Talking Birds ambassadors. That's right. Mississippi, as of this date, is the only state in the entire eastern U.S. where there are still no Talking Birds ambassadors to be found. How about it, Mississippi Talking Birds listeners? We know you're out there, so we hope you'll consider joining our Talking Birds ambassadors family. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option to do it. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment topic automobile license plates uh well bird initials and stuff like that on automobile license plates plus this morning we'll try to uh, make enough time to do a special email quiz about the connection between a small songbird and a big feline a little special email quiz this morning and up next a bird whose common name will not help you identify it is today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching magazine for more than a quarter century Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding 
Probably the first thing you notice when you see a short-billed dowager is that it has a very long bill, twice as long as its head. It has the seemingly silly name because its close relative, the long-billed dowager, has an even longer bill, usually. There's some overlap. Some short-billed dowagers have slightly longer bills than some long-billed dowagers. And their very similar appearance otherwise makes figuring out which of these birds you're seeing tricky. The short-billed dowager is a large sandpiper with, in breeding plumage, mottled gray, black, and reddish-brown upper parts, a white rump and reddish-brown underparts with heavy spots and bars, and a long, straight, dark bill, contrasting with long, yellow-green legs. Males and females look pretty much the same, and in non-breeding plumage, they're brownish-gray with a little barring along the sides. This bird breeds in southern Alaska and all across northern Canada and winters from the southern California coast down to Mexico and over to the West Indies. We see it over most of the U.S. as it migrates between those summer and winter habitats. The short-billed dowager uses kind of a sewing machine motion in probing deep below the surface of mudflats to feed on aquatic invertebrates and also eats insects and the eggs of horseshoe crabs and king crabs. So how to really know if you're seeing a short-billed dowager or a long-billed? Well, probably the best way is by listening. Here's the call of the short-billed dowager. And the long-billed dowager. Short build. Long build. There's a difference there, no doubt about it. The short build dowager. Limnodromus grisius. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us. It's our show number 687. Keep up with us at TalkinBirds.com, and we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinBirds. Coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name's Maurice Ives, calling from Tucson, Arizona. If someone is interested in becoming an ambassador, I think it gives a really neat feeling of being an active part of Ray's Talking Birds family. It adds really nice energy to our interest in birds and nature. And I think we could really use a lot more of this in today's world. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talkin' Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. The sound of our mystery bird, which breeds on the Antarctic coastlines and nearby islands during the summer of our southern hemisphere. It is common off eastern North America in the northern hemisphere summer, 
has a mostly brownish-black body, a large, conspicuous white rump, and short, rounded wings. Our bird is one of the most abundant species in the world, with an estimated worldwide population of about 100 million. But you kind of have to be out to see to see it. That's our mystery bird. Tell us what it is and win those beautiful prizes. The Droll Yankees New Generation 13-inch Metal Finch Sock and a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. Tell us what that mystery bird is or take a guess. A drawing will determine the winner if we don't get an exactly correct answer. 781-837-4900. Uh, is the number to call. Meanwhile, it's down to Cape Cod for Let's Ask Mike Live with Mike O'Connor. Let's Ask Mike Live in just one minute. Well, here's a preview of another great nature book from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, publishers of the Peterson Field Guides, the Kaufman Field Guides, and many more useful guidebooks and reading books. Every child knows the allure of climbing trees, but how many of us get to make a living at it, spending days observing nature from the canopies of stunning forests all around the world? As a wildlife cameraman, James Aldred spends his working life high up in trees, capturing key moments in the lives of wild animals and birds. Aldred's climbs take him to the most incredible and majestic trees in existence. In Venezuela, even body armor isn't guaranteed protection against the razor-sharp talons of a nesting harpy eagle. In Australia, the peace of being lulled to sleep in a hammock 25 stories above the ground after a grueling day of climbing and filming is broken by a midnight storm that threatens to topple the tree. Read about these and his many other adventures in The Man Who Climbs Trees, available wherever books are sold. Down in Cape Cod, Route 6A Orleans, to be specific, is uh, arguably the greatest bird store in the country. Many people, in fact, call it America's bird store. Be... <laughs> You're laughing. Is that not true? Did I just yeah, make that up? Uh, I, oh, everybody. Not many. Oh, everybody calls every, it that. That's, well, that's the correction. Everybody <laughs> calls it America's <laughs> bird store. That's the Bird Watchers General Store. And I believe Mike O'Connor is... Uh, here with us right now. I, 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 good morning, Mike. Good morning, Big Ray. Hey, and I had one of your listeners in from Rhode Island. I think you've been to Rhode Island in the past, haven't you? I, Pawtucket is my hometown. Oh, oh holy smokes. And this <laughs> woman was Elizabeth. She came in with her family, and she mm-hmm. listens to your station, listened to your show on one of the stations down there. And she came in the other day and saying how much she liked the show. And then she wanted to see, remember a few weeks ago I talked about the fly catchers in the box? Yeah. And and, uh, and how we could see him feed the babies and all that. And she wanted to see some video. Apparently, the station she has doesn't have video on the TV, on the radio station. I don't know why. <laughs> so I showed her some of that. my video, and she was, yeah, yeah. She, was, she was really friendly, and she was really enjoyed your show, so I wanted to pass that on. So you got, you've got the Rhode Island state coined right there, that market coined. Okay, let me just check this off, Rhode Island. Okay. <laughs> I uh, got that. By the way, that's uh, WCRI down there in southern Rhode Island, a great classical station. And uh, they're at 95.9 down there in, in Rhode Island. Yeah, I yeah. listen to it anytime I'm in wherever that is in Rhode Island. <laughs> wherever that is, okay. So, uh, Mike, we uh, kind of teased the fact that you'd talk about license plates uh, um, this morning. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I, we going to say that more of that because I'll butt in any time. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I got distracted there for for a minute. We've got a little logistical problem here caused by the program host. 
But uh, anyway, so uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let, me, let me go see. In Massachusetts, uh, believe it or not, Massachusetts is you know everybody thinks it's a big green hippie liberal state with all the you know the tree huggers and stuff. But back in the eighties, it wasn't so great, and we had that big Boston Harbor pollution situation that we, everybody still remembers. So they cleaned it up, and one of the things they did was created a, a Massachusetts Environmental Trust mm-hmm. to to address some of these things. And, and they, they gave them a budget, and people that had these uh, programs could go to this trust and get grants and whatever. And one of the ways the trust raised money is by selling license plates uh, with with an image of a, a whale's tail on, on it. And people, whaling's big around here, and... And so it would say uh, the picture of the whale's tail, and RW for right whale would be in the corner. And it raised a lot of money. It raised like $18 million or something for conservation. Wow. People went to that. But some of the plates, and this has always been a kind of a mystery, also say RT instead of RW. It says mm. RT. I've been hearing a lot um, about RT lately, but it's, it has to do with Russian television. But this is... <laughs> This, this is not that. that. This yeah. is just a few years ago before Russia had television. Uh, okay. And so it stands for uh, Rosia tern. Mm. And, lot, and so the Rosia terns is an endangered species and it's uh, some of the largest colonies right here in Massachusetts. But one of the, most, a lot of the people didn't know what it stood for. And as a matter of fact, there's an image of it, a pair of Rosia terns flying over the whale's tail. But it's really not that great. You know, instead of a... These turn, turns are beautiful, but it's just this black and white looks more like bugs splattered on the license plate than <laughs> wonderful images. <laughs> but the RT stands for that. And a lot of the money goes, or most of the money goes to conservation. And a quick look around the country, a lot of states are doing this now. And some of the states have some beautiful plates. Uh, New York has Roger Torrey Peterson artwork on there. <laughs> so it's the beautiful of bluebirds, of eastern bluebirds. So, and which is which is their state bird, and in a lot of these states, will uh, if you pay a little extra, you get this beautiful plate, and then the money goes into conservation. Uh, oh, I'm getting a hook. I have like 44 states I wanted to talk about. <laughs> oh, I don't know that music starts. There's nothing we can do about it. It's, just, it's an automated <laughs> thing. Man, but I'm yeah. Yeah. So that's it. So if you live in one of these states, look into these plates because the money goes to conservation and you'll get a nice looking plate. And, yeah. you know, there you go. That's all I it's got to say. What they, what they call it a win win situation. It's a win win. Yeah. So look into yeah. your own particular state. Even Rhode Island has uh, Osprey on their plate if you give them a little bit of money. All right. Way to go, Rhode Island. Mike, thank <laughs> you. And we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. All right. We're, uh, we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. Uh, trying to identify this mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. The bird which breeds on the Antarctic coastlines and nearby islands during the summer of our southern hemisphere, in the southern hemisphere, common off eastern North America in the northern hemisphere summer. What uh, might that be? 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And we have uh, Carolyn, uh, I believe, in, in York, Pennsylvania, on the line yeah. there with us. Hi, Carolyn. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. How's it going in York? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, where is York exactly? I should know this. York, York is in south-central Pennsylvania. South-central PA. About two hours west of Philadelphia. By the way, our Talking Bird show, we don't have really details about this yet, is making plans for two trips to Pennsylvania this fall. Oh. Yeah, but we'll uh, we'll announce some, some details on that very shortly. But what about our mystery bird, Carolyn? What do you think? 
I'm thinking it's the Wilson Storm Petrol. You're thinking what we're thinking. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Wilson Storm Petrol is absolutely right. Nice work, Carolyn. Thank you for calling in, and we'll uh, get your address here if you'll stay on with Tim, and uh, we'll arrange to send you those beautiful prizes. I sure will. Thanks. Thank you, Carolyn. Carolyn in York, Pennsylvania, correctly identifying the Wilson's Storm Petrol as our mystery bird. We mentioned uh, that we'd have a special email quiz question. So let's uh, uh, do it uh, right after this. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Okay, here's our special email quiz question. The prize for which, with the winner chosen at random from among all correct entries received, is your very own copy of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Backyard Birds and Blossoms Adult Coloring Book. It's really beautiful, and it includes dozens of birds and blossoms to color in, along with completed full-color drawings and full-color photos, plus backyard bird feeding info, or even including a dozen colored eco-pencils for your drawing pleasure. All right, here's the question. Now, last week we featured uh, the Purple Martin in our show, so our quiz question has to do with that bird. Question is, what is the connection between the Purple Martin... And the mountain lion. What is the connection between the purple martin and the mountain lion? Some might say this is kind of a trick question, and it sort of is, but that's the question. What is the connection between the purple martin and the mountain lion? Send your answer to ray at talkingbirds.com. Email to ray at talkingbirds.com. No G in talking. Deadline for entry is August 4th at midnight. Eastern Daylight Time will announce the winner on our August 5th show. And for this show, we are out of time. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) 